to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. We create and build insanely happy workforces for companies around the world. We believe that by creating better people at work, they will create better businesses and better businesses build a better world. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the most inspiring podcasts in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, all you crazy happy people out there. This is another episode of Happiest Places to Work. I am Amy Dix of Choose Happy. And today I'm super honored to have Stephen Youngwood with us, CEO of Sesame workshop. Oh, goodness, Stephen, welcome to the show. I like don't even know where to start yet. I know exactly where I want to start with this one. So welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's so um, great to be on the show. I appreciate you reaching out and I'm happy to spend some time together. Yeah. So Sesame Workshop, I mean, first of all, w- what a great organization and the fact that you do so much good like externally, right? I've talked about this on the show before too with other um, people, but you do so much great work externally, but also you do so much great work internally with the employees too. So I certainly want to talk about both of them, but um, as Sesame uh, Sesame Workshop is now over 50 years old, is that yeah, right? 52 so, years old. 52 years old. I can imagine that you've grown over over time, not just in size, but in understanding employee and employee happiness. So I would love to hear, you know, how long have you been with the organization? Uh, I've been in the organization since 2015. So I'm approaching, you know, just over six years now, six and a half years or so. And what do you think your biggest challenge was in 2015 when you first came on board? Yeah, when I first joined at the time, I'm now CEO. I joined at the time as the COO, uh, joining at a time about nine months or so afterwards, they just brought in a new CEO. And it was a it was an important moment for, for the workshop. If you go back to 2014, 2015, to, and it's been pretty well documented, it was a moment where our reason for being, which is that we use the power of media to help educate kids and around the world, we say our mission is to help kids grow stronger, smarter, and kinder, was as relevant as ever. The amount of media mm. being consumed on various platforms and sort of the growing needs of kids and families. But at the same time, the landscape was changing. And so the playbook to deliver on that mission was dramatically changing. And we realized that the workshop kind of realized that we need some outside perspective to take the best of sort of the tradition and 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 the the north star of the workshop, but with an outsider perspective to evolve it so we could be as relevant today as we were the last fifty years. Mm. So the biggest challenge was how do you evolve who we were, um, keeping what you know, allowed us to have the impact, but make it relevant and connect both from an employee base, from a consumer base, and even sort of all the partners, philanthropic and uh, commercial that we work with. And how do you sort of evolve it, but not break it and make Mm. it better? That was the biggest challenge. And, um, you know, five, six years later, I think we feel we met that challenge and we're at as strongest places ever, you know, making as much or more, more content and more types of content than we ever had before and being recognized from employee perspective and an industry perspective and a consumer perspective of um, not only being relevant, but in terms of being leading. Yeah. 
Um, and we feel great about it. We just won the Wall Street Journal um, Public Service Innovator of the Year. We were just named by Fast Company as one of the 95 brands um, to watch right in this moment. So we, you know, it's just the beginning. You're never done, but we feel really good about where we are. First of all, congratulations. Like what a feat, what an amazing thing to be a part of. And I can imagine like you're most known for Sesame Street, the show, yeah. right? Yeah. And so part of me thinks this too, like as you were talking, I was going, yeah, like depending on people's age, uh, yeah. <laughs> they really connect with, with Sesame Street. And it was a huge and probably still is today, like a huge part of people's childhood. So it's like, once you hit that like high, where do you go from there? You know, like how can it get any better <laughs> than that? And so I'm assuming this was a little bit of a challenge and maybe that's a little bit what you were alluding to when you were talking to that. So how have you kind of changed over time as media has changed? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things, particularly having come from the outside back then is that the, the uh, one of the first thing you kind of come to realize having admired and been influenced in a positive way from the outside is like, it's not an entitlement to be around for 50 plus years. And so if you don't evolve, mm. as they say, if you don't evolve, um, you, 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 you die. And I think you take sort of um, what's wonderful about the organization that, and if you keep that filter lens for evolution is that it was founded by Joan um, Gans Cooney and Lloyd Morissette with a simple premise or a few simple premises that are still relevant today and guide everything that we do. And it's just about adopting them. It, it was founded on the principle that um, folks in early childhood, because that is where you can have the greatest long term impact uh, on people's lives and therefore society's lives. And that was a hypothesis in the uh, late 60s. And science has only sort of proved it even more from brain development. It was founded on the fact that media is engaging uh, uh, to kids. And they had a very simple thing. It wasn't about if kids learn. It was about what they learn. At the time, it was beer words to beer commercials um, before the show launched. And they said, let's pivot that and make it the alphabet. And from there, it's gone much more. And it was founded on the fact that media is scalable. And so you take those and back then the time, the, the media of the day and technology was TV. Now it's so many different things. So evolving needs, keeping that North Star, focusing on the earliest childhood, focusing on, on media, uh, identifying what the reason for being, which what are the issues um, that kids and families are struggling with and how can we play a role in helping them as we get them ready for life, but then just addressing it to where they are. And it's about TV. It's about streaming. It's about short form. It's about audio. It's about even delivering through new technologies like WhatsApp. And it's really just about continuing to evolve to make sure you're addressing the most relevant issues, which are not the same today as they were yesterday, and meeting them in the ways that um, they sort of consume content, knowing that they are consuming content in more places than ever, and they are doing it more often than they ever have. So beautiful. I I mean, this is Happiest Places to Work, so I definitely want to talk about the organization, but I want to ask this question first. Like, what yeah. do you think is the biggest challenge um, that children face today in regards to happiness? Oh, I think that, um, and this was before, true in a different way before COVID, even true sort of more now, is that there is um, so much going on and so much expected so quickly that, um, you know, the, the social emotional sort of the mindfulness uh, and the emotional intelligence and not putting too much pressure on them from a parent and adult perspective and, and letting them be kids, letting them make mistakes um, and having that sort of sense of center 
and balance such that they can be open to learning and developing is the most crucial thing. And it, it is something that we saw before COVID is only heightened as you see sort of anxiety and various sort of mental health during COVID. And so a lot of our work is focuses on that. You know, we started very much more in the organization, more the cognitive, say the ABCs. And now we're as much or more about that social emotional, which are the building blocks to learning and just being a happy, well-balanced and centered person, which allows you to be a well-balanced, centered adult and, and being a learning being. Such a breath of fresh air <laughs> to hear you say that, because I think you're right. I mean, I just turned 40 and, you know, um, I think about my childhood and I don't think this is super unique to my age group, but I, we didn't really, I don't even know that we knew what emotional intelligence even was, <laughs> you know, I'm not even sure, um, that mindfulness was like a, a word that we even used as a child, you know, or that my parents would have used. So um, I think that one of the most beautiful things that we can do for this world is understand emotional intelligence and understanding mindfulness and mental health and, and all, all the goodness, right? All the good stuff. So you do a lot of obviously really great stuff um, externally. I mean, that's no secret. Uh, so tell me how, um, what are some of the things that you do within the organization? organization to prioritize happiness within the workplace? Yeah, um, obviously a, 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 a lot. You know, we're as a small organization with big ambitions. So we're as good as our employees and we're as good as our employees are happy and motivated and, and want to be where they are. You know, we start with one advantage, but that's just a starting point is that particularly more and more today, people want to work for purpose driven organizations. And, and that is what we are. Yeah. That's kind of like the table stakes. Once you're in the door, we're kind of like, you know, what makes people sort of happy? And it's obviously that formula is evolving bit with COVID and, and the new kind of workplace stream. But, you know, it's about feeling a sense of belonging. It's about feeling heard and listened to. It's about feeling sort of respected in the fact that and, and having be able to have that flexibility and sort of work-life balance. But it's also about feeling, you know, connected to something. So um, we try to preach, you know, what we preach internally, what we preach externally, that everyone um, should be heard and, you know, deserves sort of mutual respect and understanding, um, which is something we can always get better at. Try to have an open, you know, we try to preach from the top and model sort of an, an open culture where, where people listen to. We try to do... Um, you know, lots of uh, events that allow people to be who they are, but also connect, mm. uh, you know, whether that's the teams like, you know, whether it's the volleyball league or the, or, or the baseball um, or the softball league or in the virtual world, you know, what, reimagine what's the equivalent of that, um, you know, whether it's sort of virtual trivia nights, whether it was um, flower making that, that we, that we did. And those are really, um, you know, you balance the, you um, Though you can balance the people being who they are and feeling they're heard, balancing with feeling connected to each other, let around lonely organization. And I think it goes a lot, a lot really further. And then combine it with the fact that acknowledging that we're a learning organization and that um, wherever we are today, we know we can always get better and you're never done. Mm. Our keeps moving. Yes. You know, you're never done as an organization, like growing and serving those that you serve, but mm -hmm. also like, I feel like we're never done in growing our own employees and making them better humans, you know? Yep. So 
Um, there's something really key that you said uh, that I just want to kind of highlight, which is that you really allow your employees to be who they are. And maybe that sounds like so simple. I think back to my corporate days and I definitely was trying to be someone not who I was, who I thought the organization needed, right? Or who I thought my employees needed. And there was such a disconnect there. And I often wonder, I mean, now that I'm out of the corporate world, I often wonder how much more of an impact could we have had if that was a little bit more accepted. And I would have accepted it for myself too. I'm not blaming the organization, right? So I think that that is so key. And I love that you say that. So how are, like, what are some of the things that you do to support people to show them, like you come who you are and we want to embrace that. Like, what are some of the things that you do there? Yeah, I mean, one thing I do before completely answering that, I want to, I want to be honest is that we try and we know, again, even that journey is never done. And we're constantly learning that that bar keeps going. And, uh, and so it is, and you keep realizing that, you know, things that you, you never really understood that were going on that may have even gotten in, in, in the way of some of that stuff. What are we doing? You know, we have try to have as much sort of start with like transparent communication, you know, uh, CEO before we did that. And I try to do this as well. And continuing feeling that there is transparency and open levels of communication through all different managements, whether it's those anonymous sort of questions, whether it's, um, you know, lunches with the employers or one-on-one employees, that true open door and actually meaning it so that people feel that they are heard, which is part of them being, uh, you know, who, who they are. It's about instituting sort of feedback loops that um, re- and, and sort of leadership reviews where those are the competencies that we're judging people against. And those are the competencies that we want people you know, to, to have. It's, um, you know, it's an ongoing sort of a cultural thing that you, you, every time you think you're good at it, you realize, particularly in the changing worlds and how important identity is to people and, and people have different definitions and with the generational thing, um, with even different generations that um, it, that bar of doing that keeps getting higher, but it starts with communication. It starts with open feedback and it starts with ideally modeling from the management side down and measuring those, whether that's what you, you, you are doing. And it starts with honesty and admitting when, okay, you could do better and celebrating when you're doing well. Yeah. How do you measure some of this stuff? Like how are you truly measuring employee happiness or employee engagement? Like how, how is it that you measure it? Yeah, I think there are a lot of different things, and a lot of this was, um, and and there's no sort of magic uh, me- metric. There is, I always say, it's sort of three different things, and it's not just if quote they're happy, but what is driving them to be happier, or what oh, things so good. That you do are, are are that better because it's not like you are, you're not. Right. And I, I think that there are. So I always say there are three different things we're always looking at and triangulating. There is. Obviously, the very, very statistical vote with your feet thing is like, what's the retention and turnover look like? There is surveys, just like qualitative surveys um, about what's going on or what are the issues on, on people's minds uh, everywhere from like, you know, work, work-life balance to workload. And last year and a half, a, a lot of very specific things given what's been going on uh, in society. And then there is just that sort of feedback that bubbles up. As I said, we have a lot of different sort of communication points and data points that, uh, 
you know, whether it's questions that are asked to me directly, you know, whether it's things that I'll get in, you know, uh, through um, our human resources group or things I'll get through a lot of the employee lunches. And you kind of triangulate to sort of get what, what's going on and try to figure out what feels like it's an outlier versus what's a trend that we have to um, go address. Mm-hmm. It's a constant sort of evolution. Um, and, and as I think maybe, I don't think organizations are any different than people. You can, you know, you have moments of happiness and you'd like the trend to be general, but that doesn't mean people aren't human and there aren't just like organizations aren't human, that there are moments you're going to have an overworked week. But I was ideally holistically, when you go on vacation, you realize like, I am happy. I'm happy to be here or I'm not. And something else should be, um, I should do something else. Yes. I love that. On my, on my other show, on the sister show, um, Unlocking Happiness, the intro there, I think I say something like we have short moments. We have we have short moments, we have long moments, we have happy moments, and we have sad moments, right? We're just here to make sure that all your moments are filled with meaning. And so um, I, I like that you use the word moments. <laughs> I think that that's such a such a key piece as we look at like our work day and just our, our day in the life of, right? So, um, you know, I think challenges uh, in the workplace are different today than they were yeah. 10 years ago. And so I'm curious, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge that we have to kind of, as it pertains to happiness, mental health, et cetera, um, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge that we're going to have to start to prepare for in another 10 years? Yeah. uh, Assuming, you know, the biggest challenge now, at least the next couple of years, and I think this is a bit emblematic of of the next 10 years, is I, I do believe COVID changed things. Uh, in terms of the, the what people view of the the obviously the the balance between their work home and their office home, but also the role of the office and their role of the home and where they want to live in, and so I think that like organizations like us and others are trying to sort of evolve and what that new balance is. And then with that new playing field, how do you keep that connection? How do you keep that recognition? How do you keep that celebration in the world that the old days of, and we were an organization, it was largely, there were exceptions, but it was a four or five, it was a five day a week in the office organization. Um, That will not be the future. Uh, That with that came a management style. I always sort of smirked during COVID. I was taught as a leader and we become CEO that, you know, key is about accessibility and connectedness and you walk around and you make sure people see you, people know you, people hear you, you um, celebrate successes in a um, personal way, sometimes even have parties. Well, in COVID, that was all gone. You couldn't walk around. Everything you 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 couldn't just drop in. You couldn't you know make sure you talk to someone in the elevator or whatever the situation is. Um, so you had to figure out how do I have that connection? How do I express that sort of value when it's all has to be completely purposeful versus or the casual. I think the future is going to be a world where there'll be some time spent in person, there'll be some time spent remotely, there'll be more structured, there'll be more unstructured, and um, it'll be the the, the balance of the happiness is knowing also all people are different. There are people that thrive from the energy of being around people, there are people that kind of it drains their energy. And trying to figure out that new balance where you keep an organization connected, because I do believe connectedness means it helps drive happiness or enables, you know, happiness. And, um, and while also the great happiness that comes from the fact that, wow, I don't have to do that commute. I, I can have a little bit more flexibility if, if I have a, I have to do something with my child in the, in, in the middle of the day. 
Uh, and balancing those two, um, I think it'll be the next three or four years, and hopefully we'll get to a new new equilibrium. Um, but I think that is that certainly where I as if I walk into things that keep me up at night, getting it right. I believe if you get it right, we can have a happier place because because work life balance can be better. Um, you getting it wrong, you may make a you know you you may have have an unhappy or sort of frustrated place. And so that's to me the the biggest challenge is figuring out what that new norm should be, what is right for your organization, whatever culture you want to set, and, and how do you connect with employees in all the different places that you you know they need to be met. Yeah. And I think the organizations who understand this right now and are working towards that are also the organizations that are going to acquire the the right talent for them, you know. Um, so, uh, so well said. One of the themes, I think, of just our short little conversation today, uh, the word that I think you've said the most <laughs> is the word of connection or connect or connectedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so y- that's like a common theme of something that you've said today. And I think that that's a really big piece of it. Uh, you know, I, in my book, I write that the, that's one of the three pillars of happiness uh, is connection. And so um, whether that's in the workplace or in your life, I think it's, you know, such a, such a big part of what yeah. we do. So um, I just have one more question. Actually, I have two more questions for you. Yeah. Uh, one is I'm dying to know what is your favorite Sesame Street character? Uh, big Bird. Fan favorite, fan favorite. Okay. And then my next question is, if you had to define a happy workplace in one word, what would you use? Authentic. So good. So good. I love it. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, speaking about being authentic, you seem like such an amazing individual, authentic that people can come to. It feels like your employees probably love you for that. So thank you for your time today. And thank you for joining us on Happiest Places to Work. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn is probably the the easiest, most sort of public way. I, I am there. If you connect with me, I will try to connect back to you. All right. Thank you so much, Stephen. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. If you are a CEO, HR director, or wellness director for a successful company and would like to be on this program, please visit choose-happy.me slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag happiest places to work podcast. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Amy N. Dix. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.